is a paid program on 630 WLAP. This is the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy, and I became aware this year. If you want to follow me, you've got to play pinball. And put in your earplugs, put on your eye shades, you know where to put the cork. Show this week joining us Adarsh Meshru, Philip Sexton, Mike Johnson, and Tom Dupree, where we hope we will educate, guide, and empower you as you listen to our weekly broadcast. We also have some exciting news. We're going to be going to a podcast platform, and Tom is going to be doing a little bit of talking every day. You'll be able to find that on DupreeFinancial.com under the blog and radio tab. And then subscribe so you won't miss an episode. So without further ado, over to you, Tom. Turn that up. So that's a 12-string guitar with a slide. You can hear... So on a 12 string, basically each note, they're tuned an octave apart. Is that correct? Yeah, each of the six strings has a string right next to it that's an octave higher. Yeah. Yeah. And fretting that bad boy. It's a beast. Yeah. I mean, just, just making a chord on it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, you're pushing down 12 strings yeah so you gotta have really strong hands to and close do bar chords close action yeah yeah no it there it's a workout playing a 12 string well this is leo kaki turn it up i love this song so i'll, I'll, I'll give you a little story uh, about 1972 there was a record store over here on Limestone. I went in there, and the guy behind the counter had hair about down to his butt crack. And, uh, you know, he, and I brought this uh, Leo Kaki record. Which I had long, short hair all through the hippie, hippie uh, days. And he says, oh, wow, you're a Kaki freak. <laughs> I said... No, I just want to buy this album. Well, then you must be a gutkey freak. I said, no, I'm not a gutkey freak. I am simply buying this album. And it was a Leo Kotke album that had a, it was black and white and had an armadillo on the front of it. And it, I, I can't think of what it was called, but 
he was only like in his twenties and, and he would get, a, he was from Wisconsin and he, he, he would sing on some of those songs. It sang like this and he, you know, he, he sounded like a dying duck when he would sing <laughs> and, uh, he would play so hard in concerts that his fingers would bleed like crazy. Yeah. And he just. He'd go crazy. I don't know if he was on drugs or what. I, I, he may have been or he may not. He may have just been, he loved what he was doing. But he was the most intense guitarist I'd ever heard of up until then. So, anyway, end of lesson for today. Uh, you know, I mean, I got to teach y'all something. Y'all already know about all this economic stuff. Uh I'm going to just look through the pile you've given me. So it seems to me that uh, the market just doesn't want to go down. Uh, as Adarsh has correctly um, posited, we seem to still be in a bull market. Uh, regardless of whatever's going on, you know, the market just doesn't seem to, it really seems to have a mind of its own, uh, money chasing stocks, regardless of what the underlying economy is doing or not doing. Um, uh, it just seems like it continues to, to do well. And, um, it appears to me that you've still got people trading on Robin hood. That hasn't gone away. It looked like it would go away because it seemed to be basically uh, a, a replacement for casino betting when the when the casinos were closed, and that there were there's a lot of betters in this land of ours that bet on anything. Right. Why not bet on stocks? But you know, it appears that the market's still very strong. And I got to tell you, I thought it would have been trading off by now, but it hasn't. So, so um, you know, when you think about what's happened uh, since March, you know, we had the major sell-off in February once, uh, you know, the COVID news came out and things started shutting down. And since then, we saw uh, quite a strong r rally in uh, mostly large cap tech stocks and biotech stocks. So your Facebook, Amazon, Google, Apple. Uh, and then we also started seeing a rally in certain other tech stocks, mainly your electric vehicles, solar. Um, That's kind of cratered. And Nikola fell off the map. So some of that is fraught with... Even it looks like fraud to me. I mean, there, there, there's stuff that's going on in that space. And if you really dig into what Tesla is, I don't know. Go ahead. Well, so, yeah, so, I mean, Tesla still, you know, doing pretty well, holding strong. But uh, until about uh, October, we saw uh, these stocks do extremely well. There were periods in, in the middle when you'd, see, you know, other sectors like your uh, airlines or restaurants or insurance, financials do well. But 
basically since uh, June of this year, uh, every sector which was tied to the real real economy uh, did not really do anything until October when uh, the news of the vaccine came out. And since then, we've seen all these uh, sectors, your uh, travel and leisure, restaurants, uh, financials, insurance, uh, you know, do extremely well. Uh, and uh, you've seen tech stocks take a pause. Uh, they haven't really sold off completely, but they've just gone sideways. So it's almost like, uh, you know, there were a few sectors that were driving the market, but now the leadership has passed to uh, all these other sectors. Uh, now, the trend has only been in place for about two months, so we, we don't know if this is you know, a long-term trend, but the sectors that have been doing well were sectors which uh, were really impacted due to COVID, and now that there is uh, you know, some light at the end of the tunnel, we are, we are starting to see them uh, do well also and drive the entire market. What do you think, uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious that interest rates are not going to go up anytime soon. So with the cost of money effectively zero, it would seem to me that the P.E. on certain stocks could be justified to be infinite. I mean, in other words, you're, you're not getting any return on cash well, or so bonds for that matter. If you were to look at interest rates uh at any point in time, and if you were to look at them at this point in time, then yes, interest rates are very low. Short-term rates are zero. But just like the market is a forward-looking mechanism, the market also has to assume that even though interest rates are low now, interest rates will be higher, you know, whether it be five when? years from now or 10 years from now. When? <laughs> so, I mean, 2014, we thought, you know, the 4% U.S. Treasury was, was going to go higher. It, it just came right back down again. Right. Well, so, I mean, my, my point is that in order uh, for PEs to be, uh, you know, infinite, the market would have to assume that interest rates will be zero in perpetuity, uh, which, you know, is, is not going to be the case. Um, but uh, here, since October, we have seen long, long-term long rates start to move up. Uh, and... A big reason why we've seen such a strong uh, market, not not just the stock market, but if you look at commodities, if you look at precious metals, uh, real estate, everything's gone up, uh, is because there's just so much liquidity that was put into uh, the system. And really, the, the Fed has said that until, I think they said 2022, short-term rates were going to be zero. Uh, they've pumped in, you know, they continue doing QE and buying, you know, long-term debt. Uh, so, uh, really there's a lot of liquidity and until that starts unwinding, uh, you know, this thing could, uh, go on for a while. So we talk about totalitarian governments. What we're talking about in the economy is a totalitarian economy with the fed as the arbiter by keeping interest rates at or close to zero, they're basically naming their own winners and losers. Um, will a free market economy be able to survive under that? I mean, can you have, or is it really, as you have said, that the market rates are low and the Fed is just recognizing it? Which is which is it? Well, so I, I fall in the in in the camp that. 
the natural rate of the market is has been low since the financial crisis of 0809 especially but we may be at a point where uh, it starts to or it's perhaps even starting to go up right now uh the, the interest reason, rate uh yes yeah uh so the natural rate of interest the the rate at which inflation remains stable uh and unemployment you know does not uh, uh increase rapidly uh and the reason why natural rates you know rates which the fed has nothing to do with are perhaps low is because um a there's a lot of debt in the economy and some of that debt has contracted since the financial crisis although it's been going up again uh but b uh because uh we've been in this period you know 30 year period of globalization where you know uh, china eastern europe india became part of the global economy so there was a lot of surplus labor that came into the global economy which is deflationary by nature assuming that countries trade freely um and b technology has taken a giant leap in the last you know two decades really if you think about it technology started taking a giant leap since the internet came out which was about two and a half decades almost three decades ago now it's about 1996 yes uh, and that coincided with globalization so these factors put together ha- have put downward pressure on prices of things uh whether it be goods or services uh but now you know we may be at a point where after 30 years of having uh surplus labor and improvement in productivity due to technology you know we may be at an inflection point and if that inflection point is closed then the fed will have no choice but to start unwinding its balance sheet otherwise there will be inflation what areas will the inflation come in i mean it probably won't be wages uh it would seem to me there's so much excess uh labor especially now in the pandemic with as many people that are out of work in very qualified people in right. in many cases what areas do you think would be the inflation drivers what 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 area what commodities or uh, entities would would cause inflation so i mean you you could argue that we are already seeing inflation in home prices where if you look at the historical home prices have kept up with inflation over a 100 year period but here lately they've deviated quite a bit uh so home prices if you look at the stock market perhaps you know some of this liquidity has chased the stock market and chased individual stocks uh bitcoin just made a new all time high a few days ago went back to its old high gold prices made a new all time high in august uh food prices are starting to go up so we are seeing commodity prices go up now whether that translates to uh you know uh the cpi which is a broad basket of goods and services also you know uh going up that remains to be seen but we are starting to see inflation i mean why would gold be at an all time high at this point uh why would bitcoin make an all time high so there there is a lot With of no the, inflation exactly yes so there is anticipation of future inflation that's already starting to happen so anybody else want to jump in about this article or anything? i, I wanted to add sorry, I, I i wanted to add you you talked about the 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 totalitarianism and and 
picking winners and losers on something. Yeah, um, and it really makes me mad. No. <laughs> well, I, I think something interesting, and, and I don't know if you all have seen this or not. It's on, I think it's on Netflix, The the Social Dilemma. Yeah, I've heard about it. Um you know, and it talks I've about... Been re- I've been listening to the Hillbilly Elegy. Well, I, I think that there's a lot of... I read uh, the book. There's yeah. a lot of interesting things from this article, and it talks about, you know, you, you, you do your little scratch-off, and it tells you what free stock that you want, and this and that, and it, and, it, and the social dilemma goes on, and it, it kind of goes from a, a, on a political route where... Um, it starts talking about how Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all these places have guided what news you see based on, you know, what algorithms say what type of person you are. So, you know, uh, based on what you click on, what you what you view on other stuff, and that's what's caused a lot of um, this divisiveness politically. But also I think, you know, to take that to the next level, this is kind of like the social media of stock picking social media of investing where when you're doing these scratch offs and you're winning a share of Sirius XM satellite radio company, that's probably was never on your radar. So from that standpoint, it's starting to guide your eyes to where you, you know, where you want to be or what, you know, things like that. And in a sense, it kind of does create a, a totalitarian whatever a system around picking what stocks win and lose based on if they fit robin hood's mold or not you know you 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 kind of got to get along to get along well in order to this is going to sound terrible but i've been insulting people all day anyway uh in order to have that influence you you got to be a little ignorant. You ain't done no research and they're telling you, why don't you try this stock? You know, it's like, come on, man. I mean, this app is telling me what stock to buy. But I, I think <clears throat> you got to be a little bit ignorant to me. That was one of the biggest things he's talking about the emotional aspect of, cause I mean, investing is emotional. You know, you have the ups and downs, even to an investor, a long-term investor, it's emotional. But you talked about it at first, you know, people weren't able to gamble early on in the year, which, you know, this was a perfect outlet yeah. for that. And I, I'm not saying Robinhood is bad. I think it's good because it creates, yeah, I don't, it, it broadens the market is what it does. Um, to a lot of ignorant people. To a lot of ignorant people. <laughs> but, hey, all are welcome. You know, yeah. I mean. It, it, we'll it, take your money. It just, it, it creates liquidity. Um, oh, not us. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Damn. Um, but she just gave me a horrible look. But the the Robinhood it, it caters to those, you know, core emotions of, you know, making something exciting. You know, right. he, he talks about the colors, you know, just the you know, the green, almost like a Vegas, you know, light show that they have on there. Glitter running down your screen. Glitter you running know. down the confetti, all these things which just feeds that emotion. Part it's like, it's this- like the mad money of yeah, yeah exactly yeah exactly yeah it is it's i haven't been on it because i probably would open an account and start screwing well, and, with it. so I, I i don't fool with it well that and that's what happened with him um he he wanted to see what all the fuss was about and he opened it like for a hundred dollars and they wanted to see for three weeks the editor told him said make money just do whatever you can yeah. make money 
this was a hundred dollars. And he said on like week two, he was waking up at two, three AM thinking about these random yeah. trades. And after three weeks he had lost like seven percent after three weeks. But But he was having fun. Well, but that's what he said. He said it was addictive, but it was exhausting and incredibly stressful with literally with a hundred dollars. But he oh, became gosh. obsessed with the process or and he said, you know, he's Zweig's a, a long he's a, a prudent investor, you know, he's a long term thinker. He he but, was the last um the last one to I guess edit and renew the intelligent investor. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. But but he <laughs> that said that was a good uh publication yeah he said i i had to go against that to try to just get in the mindset of what goes on in this and um he said it was it was exhausting uh and not rewarding and that that's ultimately goes back to the, what i was saying with that social media aspect of it is it it monopolizes your your time monopolizes your mind and it's it's uh for robin hood how much are you worth as a person to us at this point versus you know, how far can we pull you into the deep end and get you to click, move, 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 move. And it doesn't really matter at that point if you're making money or if you're not making money, you're just having fun. Just click, 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 right. click. And we've been having fun this first half an hour, but it's time for a break. You're listening to the Tom Dupree show. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more from Adarsh, Philip, Mike, and Tom. Coming to you from the Dupree Studios on Main Street, we will be back in a few minutes. This is what's happening. I'm going to ask the public for 100 days to mask. Get the latest. The elections in Georgia are irredeemably compromised. It was an embarrassment to the citizens of your state. Check in often. Deliver the relief that is so necessary. With News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, this is Tom Dupree. If you've been listening to mainstream media, you might have deduced that our new president has been decided and that there are no remaining questions. But the facts are much different. There are ongoing legal challenges alleging vote fraud in multiple jurisdictions. The legal options for those making those claims are far from exhausted, despite media claims to the contrary. If you would like to stay informed about these developments, I'd advise you to follow Newsmax, One America News Network, War Room Pandemic, and the website of the Eric Metaxas Radio Show. These are good places to start to get alternative views on what is happening. And also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com from 7 to 9 Saturday mornings. You know where you were when the Golden State Killer was arrested. You're a moderator on the Zodiac Killer subreddit. But now you're in search of a new challenge. Enter Solve, the hit podcast that puts you at the center of the investigation. Solve is like no other murder mystery podcast. You'll track down killers hiding in plain sight. You all right? Yeah, it's just disturbing. Have you ever seen anything like this before? Not like this. To listen to Solve, download the free iHeartRadio app or listen wherever you get your podcasts.
You know what's not healthy? Stressing about work. Or maybe you're out of work. Stop. Hit reset. You can start a new life as an IT pro in as little as four months from the comfort of your own home, even if you have zero computer experience. Go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. Live online classes meet just twice a week. Financial aid, including the GI Bill, is available to those who qualify. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. This holiday season, the freshest gift ideas don't come with charging ports or designer labels because they're grown on farms in Kentucky. From the sweetest honey and jams to the freshest cheeses, meats, produce, and more. And like everything that's grown locally, they're gifts that mean more to everyone throughout the Commonwealth. This holiday season, remember, the freshest gifts come from Kentucky farms. To find out more, visit kyproud.com. cloudy skies across the area on our Saturday. We might get lucky for a peak or two of sunshine. Also a passing flurry possible as temperatures hold 35 to 40. From the WKYT First Alert Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Chris Bailey. Broadcasting live 24-7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation. This is News Radio 630 WLAP and iHeart Radio Station. You're getting back to business, but how do you know you're making the right decisions? Easy with Research Raccoon. Research Raccoon helps businesses of all sizes learn more about their customers. Ask a question and Research Raccoon gives you U.S.-based data to help you decide. No defining audiences or waiting weeks. Think of it like a gut check for your big ideas. So talk to Research Raccoon and get data you can use that's affordable for small businesses. Visit ResearchRaccoon.com to learn more. Is the cost of finishing the basement worth the benefit of some peace and quiet? When questions find you, Merrill Edge Self-Directed Investing can help you find answers with personalized planning tools and insights to help you get where you want to go, even if it's just downstairs. Merrill, a Bank of America company. Visit MerrillEdge.com slash reach to get started today. Investing involves risk. Merrill Lynch, Pierce, Fenner & Smith, Incorporated. Registered broker-dealer, member SIPC. Investment products are not FDIC insured or not bank guaranteed and may lose value. What's the perfect holiday gift this holiday season? Untuck It Shirts. They're the comfortable, easy-to-wear styles every guy loves. And there's never been a better time to buy because everything in Untuck It is on sale right now. Untuck It Shirts are designed to be worn untucked, so they help guys to look sharp and feel comfortable. Who wouldn't love to unwrap one of our iconic wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, and our famous polos? So don't wait. Our holiday sale is the best time to find the perfect shirt at UntuckIt.com or at 80-plus Untuck It stores. Untuck It. Shirts designed to be worn untucked. Hi, this is Tom Dupree. If you've been listening to mainstream media, you might have deduced that our new president has been decided and that there are no remaining questions. But the facts are much different. There are ongoing legal challenges alleging vote fraud in multiple jurisdictions. The legal options for those making those claims are far from exhausted, despite media claims to the contrary. If you would like to stay informed about these developments, I'd advise you to follow Newsmax, One America News Network, War Room Pandemic, and the website of the Eric Metaxas Radio Show. These are good places to start to get alternative views on what is happening. And also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com from 7 to 9 Saturday morning. 630 WLAP. 
Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show for the second half of the hour. Joining us, Adarsh Meshru, Philip Sexton, Mike Johnson, and Tom Dupree, the cocky freak. Yep, that's me. Um, there was a book written, you've probably read it, uh, Reminiscences of a Stock Operator. Yeah. He uses a pseudonym, but it's Jesse Livermore. Right. And uh, it was about uh, stock trading in the 1920s prior to the Great Crash. And uh, it was not unlike Robin Hood, uh, but you had to go into these shops that were, yeah, they were called bucket shops. And what you did, you didn't actually buy the stock. You, you put up two or $300 and you established a position kind of like a futures contract. And if it went against you, you got wiped out. And if it went in your favor, you could, you know, double your money or something. Cause you're, you're playing kind of a leverage game with the assumed underlying security being say a hundred shares of the stock, but you didn't have enough to buy a hundred shares. So you bought this little bucket shop position and, um, it was gambling. It was not investing. But Jesse Livermore got to be so good at it that they, just like a guy who goes into a casino and wins at blackjack all the time, they ask you to leave. They asked him to leave the bucket shops because he, he didn't have enough money to play the big, you know, to actually own the stock itself. Now, towards the end of it, he did. But. He was a speculator, and like what happens to most speculators, he probably died broke. You know, he he was not uh, able. He he had the skill set for speculation, but he probably didn't have the skill set for investment. You know, long term. That, so, I mean, he actually did le- leave some money to his widow, but he uh, committed suicide. Yeah, that's what I heard. Um, but He didn't have, leave much money to not, him. Not much. So he made a lot of money. He went bust at least two or three times in his career. Yeah. Um, and he had this habit of putting some away. He would put it in, like, the bank. So I think his... Uh, and he was married three times. So he... Uh, he suffered from depression or whatever it was, um, and in the end, he just uh, took a gun and shot himself. Yeah, and and that's a sad uh, thing. It, it reminds me of Bill Wilson, who uh, founded Alcoholics Anonymous, who was really one of the first uh, fundamental investors on Wall Street. So this is in the book. Alcoholics Anonymous. It's in Bill's story. He talks about how uh, he was trying to get sober, and he and Lois got on a uh, motorcycle with a sidecar, and they put all these Moody's uh, financial books 
in there and they went and visited companies just like what we have done in the past. They went and visited companies. This is when nobody else was doing it. So yet, you know, he couldn't stay sober. So he would lose his money and, and probably was a better researcher than he was an investor. But there have been periods in history where, you know, the reason Warren Buffett, who employed all the same uh, skill sets that these guys did, made so much money is because he, he learned how to actually invest. You know, he didn't start with a whole lot. I mean, he, he just, he wasn't from a very wealthy family. But he just built it over time, whereas some of these people frittered it away. And that's my thought of what will happen, you know, to most of these uh, Robin Hood investors. They are not going to get rich playing stocks on Robin Hood uh, when some color comes up and says, do you want to <laughs> do you want to invest in this? It's not going to work for them. I mean, I at least not the way I see it. It's and and you're right. It is unlikely. Uh, now, a certain percentage of them may actually learn, you know, and use this as an experience to right learn what works and what doesn't work. But uh, really, I mean, what draws a lot of people to the stock market, and this has been the case throughout history, is the the possibility or the uh, you know, even no matter how remote the possibility may be, but the possibility of making a lot of money quickly. Uh, and that's the same motivation that also drives people to Robin Hood. Uh, or, you know, even it, it could even be Scott Trade or E-Trade in a lot of cases. Robin or, Hood. Or gambling. Or, or, or casinos. Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. um, and ultimately, you know, uh, there is no easy money in the stock market. Uh, it's a very long-term game. And, uh, you know, when it seems like it's easy, that's when you have to be careful because, in fact, the worst thing that could happen to you is you make a lot of money right away because <laughs> eventually you'll probably end up uh, losing Like it. hitting the lottery. Right. And we know what happens to a lot of those people. Right. Or, or if it's somebody young starting off and they, you know, have a good percentage return and then later on in life, if it, you know, had continued, they might have a larger asset base and then you have the big correction if you will, or something, right. you know, you're dealing with larger amounts right. of money. Right. Well, I, I think too, um, you know, I think this is a lesson on, um, how to live your life and longevity as well. When you compared the first two to uh, a Warren Buffett, um, you know, Warren Buffett has always been very, very calculated, very, you know, unemotional with his, with his stock investing. Um, when you compare you know, some, some, um, uh, what was the word you used? Prospector, not, not prospectors, speculators, uh, speculators. Yeah. you know, when you compare like a speculator, I, I compare it to, I know you don't go to a casino, but, it, um, maybe like a horse. Have you ever had like a bet, like where you did a bet where it was enough money that as soon as you did the bet, you immediately got a pit in your stomach and you're like, Oh, I maybe shouldn't have done that. But then 
you kind of get this like rush of adrenaline through your body where let's go watch this race yeah like watch this horse race or you know like a roulette table like oh man i probably shouldn't have put a hundred dollars down on black and then you're watching that thing spin going come on come on come on come on boom and it hits and it's just this rush that's what those people seek out where it's that it's a it's a chemical feeling or a or a mental feeling and typically when you're seeking something out like that it's not necessarily the the money as much as it is how it makes you feel you know in your mind and and when you when you really go about it making um longevity decisions with your money actually makes longevity decisions with your life one could one could pause it it's like uh johnny hooker in the movie the sting which is set in 1937 you know they 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 knock uh he and uh james earl jones uh knock off this guy for for two grand to pee which was a lot of money back then. he goes in and puts it all on black and they hit the button on the yeah, yeah. They, they hit the daggone <laughs> button where it wouldn't go and he loses two grand you know the way he looked at it was easy come easy go some people don't live thinking about why i need to invest for tomorrow they're only focused on today that's all they care about that's all they're worried about they're not even thinking about tomorrow yep you know that it's not even on their radar screen yeah and i think that that's you know what my life lesson would be to a listener is that if you plan for the future, you'll have a future. Yeah. Uh, if, if if you plan for today, today is all you're really promised at that point. I, I you're like, not even promised today. <laughs> I like one of the quotes in the article. It says, to invest means literally to clothe yourself in an asset. That gives the stock a chance to work for you over the years that it may take for the company to prosper. It also minimizes your tax bills and your stress. But, you know, literally just wrapping you know whatever investment it is you know uh, you know having the thesis having your due diligence doing your due diligence um just being totally ingrained in it um and that that's what an investor is uh, it's not jumping in jumping out jumping in jumping out because the likelihood of doing that consistently over time that's the thing i mean you can have you can be right you can be right you can be right and then you're wrong and then it wipes out everything and just to be able to consistently time the market or consistently trade. It's why so few people are successful at it. Cause it's very, very, very difficult to do if not Im- impossible. Okay. You all have this article here. Uh, it's time for value stocks to shine. Stocks had an outstanding November value in particular, are rejoicing value stocks beat growth stocks this past month. So it's talking about, uh, value stocks shining. You know, we, we've beat that horse pretty hard about, uh, about value stocks shining. Now, when you're buying a stock, you are paying for a slice of earnings, not just earnings today, but extrapolated earnings into the future. In other words, cash earnings, but some stocks 
don't trade based on that. They trade based on incredible projections way out into the future of massive earnings. Those would be called the momentum stocks. Those are the stocks that uh, get bid way up. Their current price earnings ratio is usually some astronomical figure. That is a way to invest, but I would argue it's really more speculating. It's not really investing. What we do is more in line with what I would call investing, where we try to find stocks that the stream of earnings that you're buying is not too highly priced. The only way we find that is through research. We're not going to find that sitting on Robin Hood and having it turn green and you know say you want to buy this. Those are not going to be those kind of stocks. They're going to be stocks that sometimes people have not heard of, like Ryder or others, Chimera, you name it. They don't always go up. Sometimes they go down. They can have earnings hiccups just like everybody else. But typically, their price reflects buying those earnings at a lower price. And the, the nature of <clears throat> value is the, you know, the, hopefully the margin of safety. Um, you know, if you're looking at a, a stock that has a, you know, a 50 PE to it, you know, you're extrapolate. If you bought that, you're extrapolating out what the earnings would be and you're paying up for that. Um, and if something happens like a surprise, you know, guidance, they, miss on, you know, earnings, guidance goes down, whatever it may be, there's a lot of room for that to come down just to hit an average multiple. Right. Um, whereas with something that's traded at a more reasonable valuation, um, there's already probably bad news being priced in. I mean, there's, there's going to be a reason that it's not trading at a, a, a 25 or 30 multiple you have to be able to identify what that reason is and make sure it's not a valid reason and that's how you hopefully avoid a value trap um but your margin of safety should be greater if you don't overpay for something margin of safety being ability to withstand a negative event and have enough earnings underneath it to keep it from going through the floor right Right. Right. And, you know, um, the whole concept of uh, uh, value investing, you know, um, it's not, uh, it, it does not mean that uh, the investor limits themselves to, you know, certain industries or certain stocks. You could find value in a lot of different things. Um, and, um, you know, value does not, value and growth are not mutually exclusive. Uh, right. So sometimes people tend to think that, you know, if you're a value investor, then you're not buying something that's growing, but that's not true. Uh, even a value stock has growth and the potential of growth. Right. So give, give me an example on that. I mean, a stock you might think was that way. Well, I mean, uh, a lot of stocks that, we own, you know, are consistently growing their earnings. 
Um, Maybe would would Disney. would Coca Cola? Yeah, Disney. Disney, right? Would, back when Buffett bought Coca Cola, I mean, it wasn't necessarily cheap, right? But it grew a bunch. Kmart through the years, right. uh, Microsoft. Well, and uh, Bill Nigren, who runs the uh, 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 Oakmark Oakmark Fund, yes. Uh, you know, he's a value investor, but he uh, famously invested in uh, Netflix because uh, he realized that they actually had the ability to generate earnings. It wasn't just, uh, you know, a growth stock without any earnings. And uh, he realized that, you know, if Netflix just raised their cost of subscription from nine ninety nine to fourteen ninety nine, I think which they ended up doing since then, uh, the earnings of Netflix would go up by 50%, uh, but the stock wasn't pricing that in. So uh, he was a value investor who, you know, moved away from the standard definition of value to, you know, fit into the present time. You think they'll raise it to 20 at some point? I mean, it's possible if, you know, if there's enough demand for it. Yeah. Uh, the interesting thing, though, there's there's getting to be more competition in the space. Right. So right. What, what was a, a growth, a, a, a new industry is now starting to become a more mature industry. There's still right. there's still growth prospects, but you have Disney getting involved. You have all these other. We're going to get into it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're starting with a podcast. Next thing you know, you'll have. Pictures of me talking to you guys. Yeah, that could be a whole Netflix series. There we go. Well, and I think I think that's the on Netflix talking about raising it to twenty. I think that's the um, part where you have to be very careful as a as a company too. You know, when when you look at their valuation multiple, eventually there will come a point to where people won't pay that next marginal penny right. or dollar or whatever that may be to where subscribers actually start to trend in the opposite direction. And when also, that, I think they're a long way from that, but when that time happens, yeah, I think they could get it to 30 bucks a month. That's probably. when you have a problem there where, okay, that hundred dollar, a hundred PE doesn't, doesn't match no. up at that point. Well, that's what happened with just cable companies. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. started charging too much, and then that forced an alternative like Netflix, you know, because people were tired of paying it. Yeah. And so at some point, something new will come along that replaces Netflix. Blackberry and the iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one of the challenges that uh, value investors face in today's environment is that there are a lot of great companies that just don't have physical assets, you know, uh, like a Netflix uh, or an Amazon, even though Amazon has physical assets, Facebook, where there is value to their business, you know, but the the asset is intangible. Uh, so the way value investing is evolving is, uh, you know, recognizing that certain assets are just intangible, but they have the ability to earn uh, revenue. Uh, so, uh, I think value investing is going through that transition right now, just like it did back in the 60s, 70s under uh, Warren Buffett, where he started buying companies that uh, were also growing, like your Coca-Cola. It, it's starting to turn into access to people. You know, I mean, how many how many users does Facebook have? I mean, That's three billion. Yeah, as I say, two, three billion. Yeah. That goes exactly back to that social dilemma where you as a person are worth 
a dollar sixty five. Yeah. If Facebook can monopolize eight hours of your time, they now have a third of your day or a third of that dollar sixty five. You know, and so that's where the valuation prospects come in. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, that's a wrap for this week. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show with the Darsh, Philip, Mike, and Tom. As I've said before, if you want to hear more of the Tom Dupree Show, you can go to our website, DupreeFinancial.com, and go to the blog show tab. We also are going to be having more Tom Dupree Shows coming your direction, so make sure and subscribe uh, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. This has been powered by Dupree Financial Group, coming to you from the Dupree Financial Group studios on Main Street. We will talk to you next week. Have a great week. What's now? We're at war with the virus. It was a rigged election. What's next? The vaccines. COVID relief. Legal battle. Control the Senate. The holiday season. What's history? To get to this historic outcome. It's what matters. What is going to happen? News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, this is Tom Dupree. If you've been listening to mainstream media, you might have deduced that our new president has been decided and that there are no remaining questions. But the facts are much different. There are ongoing legal challenges alleging vote fraud in multiple jurisdictions. The legal options for those making those claims are far from exhausted, despite media claims to the contrary. If you would like to stay informed about these developments, I'd advise you to follow Newsmax, One America News Network, War Room Pandemic, and the website of the Eric Metaxas Radio Show. These are good places to start to get alternative views on what is happening. And also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com from 7 to 9 Saturday mornings.